0: WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston
1: radio veteran, Ken Meyer. Machado pinwheels the bat. Nobody on base, two men out, bottom of the ninth, 5-1 Red Sox. Sale winds, he fires. Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. to one. They win the World Series 4 games to 1. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? They sprinted from the bullpen. They sprinted from the dugout. They're mobbing each other between third base and home plate. And the Boston Red Sox are the champions for 2018. They win their 119th game this season. Can you believe
0: it? (laughs) And if you don't recognize that voice, you should, because he is the radio voice of the Boston Red Sox, none other than Joe Castiglione. Joe, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to be able to sit down and do an interview with you like this.
1: Always great to be with you, Ken. We've been friends for many, many years.
0: Yeah, almost almost right from the beginning, I think. Um, I can remember your first year in Boston was Carl Yastrzemski's last. And after the season was over, you did a cassette of the uh, uh, last visits that Yastrzemski made to each ballpark.
1: Yes, called So Long, Yes think that's uh, somewhere in the Hall of Fame in one of their archives and uh, it was a lot of fun to do that. We did it on a cassette of course in those days, 1983 and it was great to have a year with Yaz. He was very nice to me in those days we had only one bus when we traveled uh, and I got to sit next to him several times and uh, very very gracious guy was good to me and I learned a lot from him
0: You know I interviewed Jerry Coleman once and I asked him, you know, what he learned from other broadcasters because he worked with Mel Allen and Red Barber. And he said to me, he learned showmanship from Mel Allen and reporting from Red Barber. What did you learn, uh, in, in the beginning that helped you out later on?
1: Well, I learned a lot. First of all, Jerry Coleman was my first hero. The first game I ever went to in my life, I was uh, six years old, went to Yankee Stadium. They were playing the Cleveland Indians, and it was Jerry Coleman Day. He just came back from Korea. And I reminded him of that when I got to know him personally, and he said, oh, I never should have played that day. I weighed about 130 pounds, hadn't touched the baseball, and I went 0 for 4. But uh, what a gracious guy. But I learned uh, so many things. I think I learned to capture the moment from Ken Coleman. Uh, and I learned to have and laugh and not take it uh, so seriously, especially wins and losses from the burly broadcaster Bob Starr. But I learned from so many people over the years. Uh, I think I always had the ability to describe a play as it happens as vividly and uh, as accurately as possible. But I had to learn the showmanship, uh, that it's fun, it's baseball from the likes of especially Ken Coleman and Bob Starr. And I learned how to handle situations from Ernie Howell when things came up that were not necessarily related to runs, hits, and errors off the field's things. And uh, I just learned from so many people. Uh, I mean, I've always listened to baseball broadcasts. I still do. When I go to and from Fenway, I listen to games on XM. And uh, I think you always, especially when you are doing what I do for so many years, you pick and choose. You don't necessarily copy people, but you pick up certain uh, high points. Uh, to me, the guys that had it the toughest, the ones that had nobody to copy. <laughs> they did <they're> it <laughs> all on their own.
0: I know. Isn't this new technology great? I love being able to listen to somebody from the West Coast, for example, with FM clarity and quality. I just think it's one of the greatest things in the world.
1: It is. I mean, I love satellite radio. Uh, and I hear uh, all the games when I'm home. Of course, you only hear the home broadcast. But it's perfect for me. And it's it's really a great uh, vehicle to have. And I listen I mean, all day. I listen to uh, my good friend Flash Phelps on 60s Gold and uh, everybody on that channel, and you know, other games you can pick up college football games from out of market. There's just so many uh, in the baseball, it is really a remarkable technical feat, but also a great pleasure.
0: You know, 40 years, Joe, does it seem like 40 years?
1: Yeah. Well, only when we get home at four in the morning. Then it seems like 40 years. But no, it really doesn't. Time has flown by. Uh, I mean, I can tell you something about each year, and some good, some not so good, but most of them good. I mean, this Red Sox franchise gives us a chance to win just about every year. I know there have been some poor finishes. This year is one, certainly unexpected, after a great season last year, where they got to within two games of the World Series. But I have to credit ownership for providing the material to have a competitive ball club just about each and every season of my 40 years. So in that case, uh, it has flown by.
0: Do you think because of, of last year, which was a great surprise to everybody, uh, fans might have expected too much for this season?
1: Well, I don't know if they expected too much because uh, we've got to within two games of the World Series. Um, you know, you don't necessarily improve every year. Sometimes you take a step backwards. And, you know, we didn't know Chris Sale wasn't going to be available but for four innings. and uh, Bullpens are really a tenuous thing. I mean, to re- Tampa Bay somehow rebuilds his bullpen every year, which is miraculous. Uh, the Red Sox bullpen was a disaster. And I think you know, that's, that's where it started, and you just don't know how it's going to go. Uh, that's, that's a key factor of any any team today is what kind of bullpen do you have? Well, not only the bullpen, but the
0: starting pitching isn't like it used to be, um, especially in, in 1983. How much, if any, does that hurt starting pitchers in negotiations after a season is over?
1: Well, in terms of having an off season, well, you know nobody takes a cut today. It's not like the old days where you know Mickey Mantle with three sixty-five in nineteen fifty-seven finished second to Ted in the batting crown and was asked to take a play pick. It doesn't happen that way anymore. Plus, people move around too, so uh, you really can't compare eras like that in terms of contracts and longevity or uh, tenure with a team. But starting pitching uh, can also be up and down, depending on injuries. And this was a tough year for the Red Sox starters with injuries as well. Fortunately, Michael Walker has come through with a tremendous season. And Rich Hill has been very good. Uh, others inconsistent and others uh, with out the best health. So you know, it, it's every year is different and injuries really take their toll today more than ever because there's not much depth.
0: I had somebody tell me once that when you're doing television as opposed to radio, you're restricted. You can only talk about what the camera shows. Are you glad you don't do television?
1: I like the money in TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, that's that, that's number one. It's a lot better than radio, but... Here's the way I've heard it described. TV, baseball, is an analyst medium and a director's medium. TV, uh, radio baseball, is an announcer's medium. As Ernie Harwell said, with great modesty, nothing happens till I say it does. Uh, <laughs> in TV, it's entirely different. So I think that's, that's the big difference. I like doing radio because... I don't have to follow anyone, I'm the lead. When you do TV play by play, you follow, you follow the camera and you are the table setter setting up the analyst. So it's, they're very different and uh, you have to approach them with that in mind that the one you put, as Ken Coleman used to say on television, I put captions under pictures. Radio, I tell you what's happening, and that pretty much says it all.
0: Yeah, all right, let's talk about a couple of things in the current situation. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Everybody's talking about Bogarts and uh and um, Everett's, Everest. What do you think is going to happen after the season is over? Do you care to project or or what?
1: Well, I do think that they will. Come to terms with Rafi Devers. He has next year. Different case is Bogarts, who can opt out. Uh, my personal hope, that I hope really happens, is that they give him an extension and make him happy. He's a franchise player. They already lost one franchise player in Mookie. Dander has been here 10 years. He's only 29, soon to be 30. He's a model citizen. He's a team leader on the field, off the field. I said his best defensive year. He's on the verge of winning a batting championship. He's everything you could ask. And he plays every day. He plays hurt. See a lot of guys today, a little twin, Joe, I better sit down, not Xander. He finds a way to be in the lineup just about every single day. And you can't put a premium on that kind of toughness so i don't know what's going to happen the got boris is an agent last time told boris he wanted to stay with the red sox he still says he wants to stay with the red sox hopefully there'll be a common ground they can meet, and sander uh, will be here for the rest of his career because he's a player whose number should be up there in the rafters at fenway
0: you know it's a funny thing you and i are almost the same age and I, like you, have loved baseball all my life. And it seems that this day and age, ballplayers seem to get hurt a lot more. There's a lot more injuries. Uh, is that because spring training is different or too long? Or how, how might you account for some of that?
1: Well, this year I might have been too short, Ken, because of the lockout for pitchers. I mean, regulars only need 10 days, but pitchers need really six weeks. So, that could possibly have been a factor. I think uh, sometimes they're too well conditioned. There's too much muscle mass, and maybe that leads to injuries because they are so well conditioned in terms of strength and muscle mass, maybe too much in some cases. But I think the main thing is they have guaranteed contracts, and they're not going to lose their job if they're hurt. I mean, old days where they didn't go on the injured list they played through nagging injuries and pain because they might lose their job to another player and i think that really is the number one reason
0: you know back in 2020 when you didn't have baseball too much xm radio re-ran a lot of old games and i can remember listening to a game one night with john and susan and already talking about what a great manager Alex Cora would be if he were given the chance. They claim you you could
1: see it just back then. Yeah, we saw it as a player. I mean, we uh, used Alex as a pregame host for, in the 2008 playoffs, and he was very good, and you can tell just by listening to him that he had what it takes to be a manager. He's very bright. He's very perceptive. Uh, knows the game inside and out loves the game and has a forceful enough personality where players respond to him. And he knows players. He knows players in terms of their mental outlook and their, their character. And I think that's important. Plus he knows how to mix in the analytics with still putting a human uh, stamp on the way he operates. So he's an excellent manager and a great baseball man. I don't think, it surprised anyone that uh, he's been so good.
0: You know, I I listen to other talk shows and I'm hearing two things. One is that uh, analytics is playing a big part in baseball and there are managers that are solely told what to do by analytics people. Um, How do you feel about that? And is that true with other ball clubs?
1: Yes, it is, and uh, there are several examples. I think uh, analytics certainly have their place, but I think they've gone overboard. Joe Madden said they're great for analyzing trades, player acquisitions, uh, maybe setting defenses, but they don't tell you if a guy has a slow heartbeat or... Tenses up under pressure they don't tell you those things they lack the human element and i think that uh, that uh, is a big factor and many many so-called managers become more middle managers where they take the analytics spread them around and uh, don't really make the decisions that is not the case with alex Coral. he makes the decisions Tony LaRusso, Whitey Herzog, Tony is managing, and he may still do it that way. Um, but they are no more Whitey Herzog, they're Earl Weavers. So I think that's that's a big factor. And let's face it, there's a lot of pressure on the general managers today. It used to be all the pressure on the managers. Now there's as much, if not more so, on the general managers because they spend the money. They allocate the dollars. And you make a mistake... I mean, it's huge millions of dollars. so all of these things factor in but uh, you know it's it's not a great situation for someone who never played the game went to an Ivy League school is going to tell you how who you should play and when you should pitch them or pitch hit them because a computer tells you so hmm. experience and feel for the game comes in and the human element, which will always be there.
0: I'm understanding that there is a mixed reaction from ballplayers as far as the uh, recent rule changes that have been announced. And one of the things that I heard yesterday that I didn't know was that the breaks between innings are going to be a little bit longer starting next year as well.
1: Well, that depends on whether the network games or not. Uh, I think players are the last to know that the games are too long, the pace is too slow. And I've heard some ridiculous comments from players. i uh, criticizing it's going to ruin the game. The game needs help. If they're too long. There's too much non-action. It's losing young people. The pitch clock is maybe the best thing that's ever happened to the minor leagues. They cut 26 minutes off the game time. And baseball needs to do that. These games are averaging well over three hours. We have to cut it down. We have to get more action. I think uh, the pitch clock is a number one necessity, and I'm so glad it's happening. I'm also glad they're limiting shifts. You need more offense in this game. I mean, they'll find a way, the defense hitters, maybe they play the second baseman and shortstop right up the middle and give them the holes on the third and first base side and do it that way um, because they have to have two on each side of the back and everybody on the dirt. Uh, There'll still be analytics involved in that, but maybe not quite to the extent where a bullet hit into right field 20 feet back is an out because they have a second baseman playing short field out there. Uh, I hope that's the case. I hope there is more action. I think the bigger bases are great. It'll lead to better safety, but more importantly, maybe more stolen base attempts with the bags four and a half inches closer. I mean, that sounds like much, but remember how many times have we heard baseball is a game of inches. So I think all of these rule changes are excellent. And, you know, players will get used to them, but they are the last to know about pace of the game. When I see a pitcher taking 40 seconds between pitches, just doing nothing but holding the ball in many cases said they're afraid to throw it um, you really see how the pace is so dull and something has to be changed to quicken it yeah there
0: was a recent game I loved it when uh, Rich Hill was pitching in 20 seconds he threw three pitches I loved it the way
1: it should be get the ball and throw it <laughs> and don't step out of the batter's box. You know, the days of stepping out to break up the pitcher's timing if he's working fast, we haven't seen much because pitchers work so slowly. But they did try that with Rich Hill. It didn't work. He still shut him down. And uh, I think he finished that game in two hours and 15 minutes, throwing seven innings. But the game was only two fifteen. And hopefully we'll see a lot more of that and more action, ball and play more. Strikeouts are really boring used to be exciting when it was Nolan Ryan or Pedro Martinez or Roger Clemens. But every pitcher now averages a strikeout an inning. And if a guy strikes out 100 times or fewer, you say, oh, he makes good contact. So strikeouts uh, have to be reduced as well. And hopefully hitters will adjust to that. Although right now the pitchers are throwing so hard, it's tough uh, to make contact. That's why you you can't beat the shifts guy's throwing 100 miles an hour. Just too difficult for hitters to do that. So instead, take away uh, the shifts, And, you know, I don't think maybe the next step will be move the bomb back six inches. Uh, they didn't get that radical yet. But who knows? We'll see if these changes work. Maybe uh, it'll be better. And if they don't, maybe it'll have to be more extreme rule changes.
0: It must be quite a kick for you if you're sitting home and turn on channel five and watch a fellow named Duke Castiglione doing the sports.
1: Yeah, it really is uh, exciting to watch that. Sometimes you, know, you get used to seeing him every day, but take it for granted. But sometimes you pinch yourself and says, wow, that is pretty awesome. But, you know, my son's in a major market. He's the top sports anchor. Uh, I was a sports anchor in Cleveland, mostly weekends, Uh um, and uh, I, I didn't love it because I like to be where the games are, where the action is. Uh, but he does very well with it, and he likes it very much. Uh, there's a lot of stability at Channel Five, and you know they've been number one for a long, long time. And uh, it's great to be able to watch him, and um, you know, proud that he followed in my footsteps, in a manner of speaking, even though he's doing a different type of
0: sports. I also read in your book, if I'm right, he was around the clubhouse and started working when he was 10 years old.
1: He did, yeah. Well, we were uh, still in Cleveland. I couldn't sell my house, so my family remained in Cleveland, and uh, he would come to stay with me uh, for a couple of weeks at a time. He was the oldest, and our booth was so tiny when we were on the second level that we had room for just the two announcers and an engineer in the back so rather than have him in the stands alone uh, he went to the visiting clubhouse and helped out he wasn't paid uh, but he had a lot of fun he met great people that he loved like Don Sutton that was especially nice to him and uh, Robin Yount and uh, George Brett sometimes they stuffed him in a trash can sometimes they'd send him over to the <laughs> garden to buy wrestling tickets. And uh, he really learned a lot being in those clubhouse. Scared to death, by the way, of Kirk Gibson. <laughs> and a lot of people were in those days. But uh, he, he really learned uh, what being inside sports was all about in those days.
0: Tell me about some of the ball players that you are. I mean, I can name a couple. I know reading the foreword of your book, One of your best friends is Mo Vaughn. Roger Clemens surprised you uh, on the night that they had your 40th anniversary and named the broadcast booth after you. Um, Besides those two guys, who else do you remain friendly with, either past or present with the Red Sox?
1: Well, there's so many. In my second book, I tried to pick my 30 favorites for the first 30 years. Ended up with 43 be double that today but you know Shirley certainly shocked me i was looking for a video on the board and here he comes out of the dugout with a plaque for me and that was wonderful pedro martinez was an especially close friend talked about a lot of things outside of baseball uh, he and david ortiz the greatest the uh, most charismatic athletes have ever been around uh, they're right up there with muhammad ali in that category and uh, they were great, but not only stars. Uh, Brian Dahlbach remains a close friend. Uh, I introduced him to his wife. And uh, there's just been so many over the years. Mike Lowell, who would come to our spring training house, when my wife would give the uh, lessons. She was tutoring his his children. His daughter uh, was a wonderful student out, of, I believe, Florida State, tutoring them in uh, math and math and that type of thing so that uh, they could stay in spring training out of school and still get their lessons in. Uh, he was a great friend. Uh, There's just just been so many over the years. Uh, this club, Rich Hill, especially close, Jackie Bradley, one of my closest friends, and we see him a lot in Florida. Um, yep. Jander Bogart's a special favorite. There's just so many uh, that I'm sure I'm leaving many out uh, over the years but I've been blessed to be around baseball players. I always liked baseball players because they're individuals. You know, they're all different. Um, They have their own personalities, an individualistic game. It's a team game. Yes. But you're paid individually. Uh, You know, football like the offensive linemen hang together. A lot of them are pretty much in the same. uh, Come from the same mold. But baseball players are all different. And I think. That's what makes them a lot of fun to be around.
0: I know a lot of times it's it's a television game. A lot of people will say that. I watched an ESPN game the other night, and for a half inning, they talked to Mookie Betts in the outfield and never commented once on any play-by-play. That I don't know about you,
1: but I don't like that. Well, I think a lot of the older fans don't uh, like that. I think uh, you still, still should get back to the framework of the game. I mean, you can uh, skip over a lot of it, especially on television, because the camera carries it. Uh, but when you have modern technology like that and you have a chance to use it, uh, it's a toy and you play along with it. Uh, you know, Mookie's a very interesting guy, he's one of my favorites as well. So I think all of that. Uh, you now, it's part of technology, and you need a happy mix.
0: I uh, have also heard talk going back to Alex Cora that he wants to be the next general manager of the Boston Red Sox if and when that time arises. Have you heard anything like that?
1: Well, I did tell somebody in the media that. Uh, I haven't really discussed it with him, but he was a general manager in Puerto Rico for the WBC and for the, uh, Puerto Rican league for a team in the Puerto Rican league Congress, I believe. So, uh, not surprising. I mean, it's a different lifestyle. Don't uh, travel as much, uh, but you certainly have a lot of pressure these days and I think he'd be a good one. He's very knowledgeable. He knows, obviously he's gone through contract negotiations. He understands how ownership works. I know he's been uh, very close to some of the GMs he's been with. So could well happen. We'll see. Uh, right now, you know, there's a trend toward the Ivy League types. But baseball cyclical. somebody succeeds, you know, I think uh, there's a copycat element. I would think teams will go back to what the Braves are doing. They've got an older manager, experienced baseball guy, long-time minor leagues, great coaches in ron washington one of the best infield coaches going former manager Uh, eric young they've got a lot of guys who played the game were very experienced a little bit older they won the world series last year Uh, maybe that we'll get back to more of that and less to the analytic types so we'll see but as we say it is a copycat business and when somebody succeeds somebody's trying to follow them and what happens to Joe Castiglione in the winter?
0: What are your plans to relax for spring training next year besides taking that trip that you were given by uh, Odyssey and the Red Sox?
1: Yeah, that's the first thing we'll do is take the Oregon-Wine Country trip in October while the playoffs are going on. Unfortunately, the Red Sox won't be there. But we'll follow our usual routine, go to Florida uh, for most of the November, come back to the Boston area for the holidays, return to work Myers for uh, the winter months, January, February, March, and hopefully be back at spring training. Go from there.
0: I hope it's it's a good winter for you, Joe. As somebody said to me the other day when I told them I was going to talk with you, they said, geez, he reminds me of summer and the warm weather, and we'll just have to suffer through the winter instead.
1: Yeah, that's why we go to Florida. I love the warm weather, too. And uh, I'm very blessed to be able to do what I do for so many years. And uh, It's just been a great marriage with the Red Sox. And with my well, wife, who lets me do this. <laughs> Joe, I, years, I, you know.
0: I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. You've been a good friend over the years, and you've always been nice to me. And, and I really appreciate it. And uh, maybe we can do this again next year and
1: maybe talk about who we're going to have start in the World Series. Uh Yeah, I hope we get back to that point sooner than later. You never know if things turn around quickly in this game. Well, you've broadcast four World Series this year, and I don't
0: think uh, any other broadcaster this year has uh, this uh, era has done that. I mean, Mel Allen did it, but that was a long time ago.
1: I might be second to Sterling in that regard. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had, I didn't, didn't think of that.
0: He yep, had 96 right.
1: to 2000. So I well, think he's yeah, got he one did. more world championship than I do, but nothing since 2009. Yeah. That's a long
0: time for the Yankees. Listen, thanks. Thanks again so much for doing this. I wish you good luck. Give my best to Will Fleming and Sean McDonough and, and Dave O'Brien. Um, They're all good guys, and it's great listening to
1: all of you. Well, thanks, Ken. You've been a great friend for many, many years. Keep it going.
0: I'm going to do the best I can, Joe. And that'll do it for this edition of City Talk. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's K J M E Y E R 7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.